The following audio is from Harvest Fellowship. For more information about Harvest Fellowship, visit harvestabq.org. Good morning, church. Are you excited to be here? Yes. Okay. Does that mean? Am I doing something wrong? Okay. So uh, speaking of uh, generosity, uh, we have your 2023 giving statements available uh, in the lobby on your way out. So they're uh, alphabetized. Our team will help you. So uh, if you gave in 2023, you can stop by and pick that up. And uh, I know that for some of you, it's, that's for tax purposes. But what I really hope is that it is a celebration of your family and your commitment to the biblical principles of tithing and generosity. And I really hope that you go home and you open it and and you get together with your family and you celebrate and you say, look what God did through our family this year. And I wrote a little letter and put it in there and it will help to kind of connect the dots that when your family, along with my family, along with all the other families, when we all uh, decide to do this thing of living open-handed, live generously, it's pretty amazing what God was able to do through us in 2023. And so I hope that that, um, I hope that you're encouraged by that. I also hope it saves you a lot of money in your taxes. I actually do hope that uh, as well. Uh, we're in a series right now called Jesus Over Everything. And, and I want to start out and ask you a question because uh, I'm just going to have you just show hands, kind of answer this, because I, I think this is going to be a testimony uh, to the, the Lord in our lives. So, so quick show of hands. As you assess your life, are you thankful that there is a God who is bigger and stronger than you, bigger and stronger than anything you're facing, who knows you and loves you completely, but, and, and, and that he reigns over every part of your life. Would anyone say, that, that's me, that's me. That's what we are declaring over our lives, over our city, over our country here in 2024, is that Jesus reigns over everything. Uh, it, it was the end of 23, the Lord began to stir this idea in my heart that Jesus is really over everything. And, and I knew that we were going to go into 24 with this idea. And I'll, I'll be honest, at first I just, I got really excited. I got my phone out. I started making a list of all the things that Jesus Jesus is over. And I, I put things like finances and health and relationships. I put the city of Albuquerque on and I started dreaming a little bit bigger. I, I put politics on there and schools and my job and all, just all of these things on and on. There's a lot of things that we could say that Jesus is over. But then I began to think that if Jesus is over everything, it's probably important that we know a little more about Jesus. Doesn't that make sense? So here in these first couple of weeks of the year, I'm just, I'm just preaching some sermons where we're just focusing on Jesus and who he is and, and what he said and what he did and how he lived and why it matters to our lives. I want to look today at a passage in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 14, and we're, we're going to read it together. And, and in this, you're going to see that the disciples are caught in a storm. And in this passage, it's an actual uh, meteorological storm. I mean, it's wind and rain and lightning and, 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 and waves, because you'll see they're out on, on the open sea. And so it's, it's an actual storm. But I, I think you'll see that the way that it plays out and how 
Jesus interacts with the disciples that we can learn today some lessons that will help us, not just in a rainstorm, but in whatever storm you may, might face in your life. In fact, that's my hope. That's my prayer. I've been praying for that this week because I happen to know that some of you are facing some storms, right? I, I happen to know that. And for those of you that I don't know, you might be facing a storm that I don't even know about. And I, I want to I bring some hope to you today that as Jesus is over everything, that there is hope in the middle of a storm. So let's read this passage, Matthew chapter 14, starting in verse 22. Uh, it says, immediately, and we're going to talk about why it says that, because something happened right before this. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowd. After he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, uh, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It, it's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshiped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. I want to do something that we do every week. I hope it doesn't get old to you. This is a tradition that for, uh, for me, for us, I think it's super important that as we come to this moment where we start to dig into God's word, we believe that God's word has something for us right now, today. It's not just an old book that, that has something for about history, but it has something for you and your family today. And we believe it so much that we just pause right here and we say a quick little prayer. And if you're new, you're like, man, this church likes to sing and pray. Yes, we do. And uh, this prayer, though, it's very specific because this is a prayer where I want to encourage you to open your heart to what God's word has for you and for your family today. And before we do that, I just, I felt so, didn't, didn't you love worship today? Wasn't that amazing? So awesome. I don't know if you could tell, like, something was happening. And, and I love that Sarah and Amber, they, they just, they were patient in that final, those final moments and just allowed the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. And as we were crying out, you know, we were, we were crying out for more of you. I, I thought about, and I, I didn't know Pastor Jace was going to talk about our, our staff dinner last night, but I thought about our staff dinner. And, and this is why, is because I was sitting at the end of the table and we had all these appetizers. I mean, so many appetizers. Appetizers, and uh, everyone was kind of was being nice. I mean, they're, oh, here, you can have a little. And they were like taking a little and sharing. But there was something that I really wanted, but it was at the other end of the table. I don't know how it ended up that end. It's probably because of Tyler, and it was on his end of the table. And, uh, and somebody was like, does anybody want this? And everyone was being nice. Everyone was like just being really polite. But I know my team. I, I mean, I see them every day. They're not that polite in real life. And, and so I just, I just spoke up, and I said, I want 
want it. I want that calamari. It was calamari. And so down comes the calamari all the way to my end, and I destroyed that plate of calamari. I'm just telling you, okay? I was not nice in that moment. And that's what I thought of when Sarah began to lead us in that moment to cry out for more of the Lord. And I, was, I, I thought of this moment where we're about to pray and ask God to speak to us today. And some of you, I want to give you permission, right, to tell the Lord, give me the calamari at the end of the table, okay? I mean, not really calamari, but like I want you to get specific right now because you've come, you've, you're opening your heart, the Holy Spirit is here, God's going to talk to us, but I know that some of you are in the middle of a storm and you need God to show up in your life today, so this prayer matters. How many of you are going to pray a prayer with me? All right, you're going to pray it? So let's pray, Jesus, we're so thankful for your presence we're thankful for the ability to gather together, to open your word, to learn from you. Lord, today we're asking you to help us, Lord, especially those who find themselves in the middle of a storm. Lord, open your word to us today. Give us revelation today. Help us today to, to listen completely. We lean in and we listen for your voice in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen. I grew up playing baseball, uh, little league baseball, and my dad was my coach for many uh, of those years. And I, I remember that my, one of my favorite things uh, that we would do as a team, or sometimes just my dad and my brother and I, is that we would go to the batting cages for batting practice. And, and that for me was more fun than just fielding ground balls or, you know, scrimmaging against one. I just, I loved, it was so much fun to go and just hit the ball. Oh, over and over and over, and dad would stand behind the fence, and he would coach me, and he'd make sure my stance was right, and he'd always team, you know, keep the elbow up, you know, and, and there was all these little things, that how to hold the bat, and he was trying to help us, but there was this one piece of advice that I, I just thought of, it, it just, because he probably said it more than any other piece of advice, and it was this, it was keep your eye on the ball, keep your eye on on the ball. I shared this. Uh, we do a, a, a dream team huddle uh, on Sunday mornings before service. And I shared this with the dream team and, uh, and, and somebody came to me and they said, I thought that you were going to talk about pickleball, not baseball in that moment because this week I got to visit the pickleball life group. I don't know if you knew that we have a pickleball life group, right? We have so many amazing life groups. If you're not in a life group, you should find yourself a life group. All right? It will change your life. And so this week I got to stop by just for a little while, the Pickleball Life Group. And I walked in, I was dressed kind of like this. And, and they were like, Pastor, do you want to play? And I said, I'm not in my pickleball clothes. And if you don't know what pickleball clothes are, they're not these. All right. I don't know. And so, so they, but they convinced me and I jumped in and it was like one of the first volleys. And I'm pretty sure that it was Joe that hit this very spinny ball to me. It was either him or I don't know, whoever it was, we'll give Joe the credit. He hit this ball and I'm watching it. And in my head, I mean, it was, I was about to smash it, but because of the spin, it just died. I mean, it just dropped and I whiffed completely. I completely missed it. And so I could, I could talk about, about pickleball and how in pickleball, you got to keep your eye on the ball. Keep your eye on the ball. And today, Today, our focus, it's, it's not baseball, it's not pickleball, but it, it's very similar. Today, I want to encourage you to keep your eye on Jesus, okay, to keep your eye 
on Jesus. We see this play out in Matthew 14. So right before this account, this is why it says in what we read, it says immediately, and then it goes into the story. So right before this account is another amazing miracle of Jesus. You can read it on your own, but you probably know the story. Jesus feeds 5,000 people uh, with just a little bit of food, five loaves of bread and two fish. And this is important. I, I love to look at scripture in context. You, you just want to look at what's right before this and what's right after it. That way you see the complete picture. And I love, I love looking at that because, because as the disciples are getting into the boat, based on just the idea that, that right before this, they saw Jesus uh, multiply a little bit of bread and a little bit of fish and feed 5,000, their faith had to be at an all-time high. I mean, I just imagine them getting on this boat and literally like high-fiving one another, like, did you see that? Oh my, how did he do that? We had all these baskets of food left over, whoa! I mean, they, they are on cloud nine as they're getting on to this boat. And, and, and as they get on the boat, Jesus does not go with them. I don't know if you, you caught that as we read through this, but he doesn't go. He stays behind to pray. And, and then we see as they get out on the water that a powerful storm blows in. Verse 24 again says that the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Here, here it is in the New Living Translation. It says, meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble, <laughs> far away from land, for a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. You probably remember that at least some of the disciples were pro professional fishermen. That was their occupation. For example, Peter and Andrew were fishing when Jesus came to them and, and called them. We read about this in Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. It says, Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee. He saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake because they were fishermen, right? Not recreational. This was their profession. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. And once they left their nets, they followed him. We know that Peter, Andrew, James, and John, they were all fishermen, and, and more, more likely Thomas and Nathaniel and Philip also were professional fishermen. And so I point this out because they're used to being on the water. They're used to, to being in a boat. This isn't the first storm that they have seen. Like this, the storm would have, wouldn't have just scared them naturally. So this is a pretty big storm, and it's in the middle of this this storm that Jesus decides to show off. And I, I, I find verse 25 a little humorous because it says, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the water. And I just try to imagine Jesus as he's finishing up his prayer time and, and he says amen and he looks out and, and maybe he can see the boat out in the middle of the water. And I just love that it's just such a, a Jesus move, right? Like he doesn't find another boat to go out there. You know, he, he walks on the water, right? I mean, I, I would love to have been there to, to, to just talk with Jesus as, as he's figuring out like, how am I going to get out there? And then he realized, oh, I'm the son of God. I'll just walk out on the water, right? And so he's walking out on the water. And, and of course, the disciples, they don't know that Jesus, I mean, all they know is Jesus stayed back. They don't know that, that he's coming. They've been on the, on the water their whole lives. They've never seen anything like this. I mean, it, it terrifies them. And so they come to the conclusion that it's probably
probably a ghost. And, and you probably should know too that, that a common superstition of the day, especially for those that spend a lot of time on the water, they, they believe that if someone drowned uh, out on the water, that, that for the rest of, of eternity, that they would haunt those waters as a ghost. And so here's the disciples. They're in a storm. They look out. They see someone walking to them. They decide that it's probably a ghost. And Jesus calls out to them. In verse 27, he says, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Take courage. It's I. It is I. Don't be afraid. And it's in this statement that we learn an important lesson. And if you're in the middle of a storm, you're going to want to, to allow the Holy Spirit to bring this to life for you today because we learn that peace is found in the presence of Jesus. Okay? Peace is found in the presence of Jesus. We, we learned last week that, that there's a, a power in the name of Jesus, right? We, we saw that in multiple stories, how, how that, that the name of Jesus, and we tried to handle it carefully, right? We said it, it's not a magic name. It's not a password. That the, that the power comes not from the name of Jesus, but knowing the person Jesus. And, and we, we learned that last week. And, 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 and I love how in this story, Jesus doesn't announce himself with his name. He just says, it is I, right? It is, it is I. And my guess is that the disciples, because they'd spent the last three years living with Jesus, working with Jesus, hearing him teach, hearing him preach, hearing him pray. They'd, they'd done life with Jesus. They'd shared a lot of meals with Jesus. They'd spent a lot of time with Jesus. So my guess is when he said, it is I, don't be afraid, that they probably just recognized his voice. Right? They, just, they knew it. They are like, oh, that's Jesus, because I know his voice. I, I've heard that voice before. John chapter 10, verse 27 says, my sheep recognize my voice. I know them and they follow me. This is what happens when you or I, when we know someone well. I mean, you learn their voice, right? Um, a mother can pick out the, their baby's cry in the middle of a crowd. Have you ever noticed that? that? That used to happen to us when the kids were little. You know, Lisa would hear one of the girls, and she'd go, is that, is that Ava? Is that Eden? Is that Mary? And I'd go, I don't even, I, what did you hear? I don't even, I, did a kid cry? I don't even know, right? A mother tunes their ears in. They, they know, they know the frequency of the cry, right? They, they know, they know how they call out for mom, right? They, they, they get that. I mean, this, this is, this is why a, a, a husband or a wife, you can, you can hear your spouse across the room and you know, it's, you, you know, it's them, right? You, you, you pick up the phone and you know, you know, not because it's on your caller ID, you, you know their voice. And this is what happens. The disciples, they're, they're terrified, but they hear a familiar voice. It's, it is I, do not be afraid. And that's all it took. And I think the lesson here is that, that you can find peace in the middle of a storm because of the presence of Jesus. Are you following me? It's, it's not, so, so you gotta notice, Jesus didn't end the storm right there. He shows up in the storm. He speaks to the disciples, and, and, and this is why we take time like we did a few minutes ago, and we pray, and we prepare our hearts for this moment, is because we, we want a word from the Lord. We wanna hear the word of God for our family. And this is what happens in the disciples, is they're in a storm, and they hear the voice of Jesus and the presence of Jesus is what brings them peace. See, 
Some would define peace as the absence of a storm or the ending of a storm. That, some would say, that's peace, when the storm ends. But can I just, can I break the news to you that a storm-free life is only in fairy tales? <laughs> it just, like, it doesn't happen in real life. In, in real life, there are a lot of storms. In fact, I knew you wouldn't believe me, so I went to the Bible because you'll probably believe Jesus. So Jesus said in John chapter 16, verse 33, he says, I've told you these things so that in me, remember, in the presence of Jesus, you can have peace. Jesus says, in me, you may have peace. And then he says this, in this world, we're still part of the world that Jesus was talking about in this passage, you will have trouble. What an encouraging word from Jesus, right? You're gonna have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So notice in our story in Matthew that, that Jesus hasn't calmed the storm yet. In fact, a little bit crazier is that Jesus invites Peter to get out of the boat and into the storm, right? Like, that's kind of a reckless move, Jesus, right? You, you, like, just end the, end the storm, and then I'll come out. But no, no, no. He says to Peter, come on out into the storm. And I, again, I, just, I think we tend to think that peace is found when the waves of life are calm. But Jesus never promised us smooth sailing. Instead, and this is the promise, he promises to be with us to be with us in the middle of, uh, of the calm days, in the turbulent days, right? Like all of it. Like Jesus says, I will be with you. And I think Peter's walk on water teaches us that peace is found in the presence of Jesus, even in the middle of a storm. So again, if you happen to be here today or you're watching online and you're in a, in a storm, there's some kind of storm in your life, just, this is good news that peace is possible. The peace of God is possible in the middle. It's possible because of a personal relationship with Jesus, okay? This is why I'm, I'm working really hard to connect the dots between what we know about Jesus and the idea that Jesus is over everything. Is that until you know Jesus personally, the idea of Jesus over everything is just an idea, <laughs> So it's kind of the same as the name of Jesus is just a name until you know Jesus. So the idea that Jesus reigns over my family, my work, my finances, my health, my city, it's just an idea until you understand that that only comes because of the presence of Jesus. This is why we, gotta, this is why we have to know who Jesus is. So Peter steps out of the boat, okay? And this teaches us a second lesson. It teaches us that faith is found outside the boat, okay? Faith is found outside of the boat. So here's the verses, uh, verse 28. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied. By the way, Peter's one of my favorite Bible characters because he's so um, reckless, right? He's so spontaneous. He's so ADD. I mean, like Peter is my kind of a guy, right? He's the only one of the disciples in the boat who's like, Jesus, I'll come out to you, right? Like he's just crazy. So he says, tell me to come out to the water. And Jesus says, come. So Peter does it. He's a man of action. I love this about him. He gets out of the boat. He walked on the water and he came 
toward Jesus, following Jesus, which I think that's what you and I are trying to figure out how to do, is how do we follow Jesus? Following Jesus requires us to live a life of faith, and faith requires us to get out of the boat, okay? Um, I know that we live in a desert, but this, we'll just see. How many of you, does anyone, does anyone here own a boat? Anyone? Anyone own a boat? Own a boat? We got like two people. That's kind of what I thought. We live in the desert, okay? So I'll just tell you that there's a saying that the best two days in the life of a boat owner is the day they buy it and the day they sell it. <laughs> Because everything in between is just painful, right? Just, there's always something going wrong. And I'll just tell you, um, Lisa and I, well, I, I've owned one boat. Lisa and I have owned another boat. So we, we've owned two boats in our lives. And I'll just, I'm just going to tell you one story. It's kind of fun. I was in college, and, and I had a group of friends that they all grew up uh, around lots of water. I didn't understand because I grew up here. And so they would take me out, and I learned, they taught me how to wakeboard, okay? And, uh, and it was really fun. I was really getting into it. So I bought a wakeboard, which is kind of funny that I owned a wakeboard but no boat. But that's how I did things. So I bought, again, I'm Peter, right? So I bought a wakeboard. And one day, my friend, Matt Netzer, calls me. He says, Jason, we need to buy a boat. I said, I don't know what you're talking about. He said, I found us a boat. He said, now you need to understand, it's a fixer-upper. I should have stopped right there, okay? Should have stopped. But I was so excited. I grew up in the desert. I've never owned a boat, and I wanted a wakeboard. Because until then, I would go down to the boat dock at our local lake with my wakeboard and a $20 bill, and I would, I would ask people if they would take me wakeboarding for $20 so they could put the gas in the boat. I don't know, right? Shouldn't have done that. So Matt says, I found a boat. And uh, one way or another, Matt and I partnered, and we bought our first boat. And I was so excited. We took it to Matt's house. Um, he was a little more mechanical, so he worked on the engine. And I did things like, uh, like where there was teak wood. I would sand it, and I would seal it, and I would get it looking really good. I didn't know anything about engines, so he worked on the engine. We took it out for its maiden voyage. We took it to Lake Waxahachie. We put it in the water. It started up. Matt and I are like chest, but oh. We're, oh, we have a boat. We're so excited. And we take off across the lake and we are flying. The wind's in our hair. And we're like, woo! We're like Baywatch and we're just going across the lake and the boat dies. Can I just tell you that boat never started again, ever, ever. We got towed back. We worked on it for months. Eventually, we gave up, and uh, we used to have these epic bonfires at Matt's house about every six or eight weeks during the semester, and one day, I was so frustrated. I said, Matt, we should just burn the stinking boat, and so we did. We just hauled it in. We started a bonfire. We just burned the boat, okay? And that is, all right? That story has nothing to do with anything except the story has a boat in it, okay? I'm just, good try. Good try to... You want to, okay? <laughs> Faith is found when you step out of the boat. It requires you. Like, it's not even like you might, if you're following Jesus, have to get out of the boat. Like, you are going to have to get out of the boat. Now, now the boat is, it's really a metaphor for the things in your life that you find comfortable. It's going it's to require you. If you're going to follow Jesus, you may not even like this message. It's going to 
it's going to require you to do some things that are uncomfortable. All, all of us have things. It's, it's the way you live your life, right? How you raise your kids and where you live and the dynamics of your marriage and, and, and your job and, and your income and what you drive and, and just all of these things. And, and, and I just need to warn you that if you're going to follow Jesus, you're going you're gonna to be rolling along, following Jesus, having so much fun, and then one day Jesus is going to say, like he did to Peter, hey, come on out of the boat. And most of the time, unless you're wired like Peter, you're going to go, I don't know if I want to get out of the boat. Like, this is kind of nice. I like my boat, right? I've worked hard on my boat. My boat feels good. My boat is comfortable. But I'm just going to tell you, because I've done it long enough, that Jesus is not really concerned with how nice your boat is, <laughs> So he'll invite you because this, it's a faith journey. He'll, he'll ask you to come out of the boat and you can only exercise, you can't exercise faith in the boat. It's too comfortable. You can only exercise your faith as you step out of the boat. Can, can I just tell you, Lisa and I have had so many moments uh, in our lives where the Lord has asked us to step out of what was comfortable out of the boat. I started making a list, and honestly, it was, can I just tell you this? It's, it's rarely fun in the moment to get out of the boat, but it's almost always fun to look back after you've survived it. <laughs> so that's what happened to me this week. I was like, I'm gonna look back, because now I've survived, we've survived it. We, we made it. So I looked back, and I, and I, I thought about how right out of, out of Bible college, how, how God asked Lisa and I to help plan a church in downtown Dallas, Y'all, we had no, I mean, we didn't know what we were doing. We had no right to be, to be pastors. I and mean, we did have a Bible college degree. We didn't know. We didn't know what we were doing. But God put it in our hearts. He called us. And so we turned down other job offers that made a lot more sense. You know why? Because they made a lot more money. You know how much that job, this job paid? Zero dollars and zero cents. <laughs> and Lisa and I said, yes. And, we, and not only, we were, we, we were too young and dumb to know any better. So we said yes with passion. And we went for it. We stepped out of the boat and we planted a church in downtown Dallas. I couldn't even tell you how many times that God has, has asked us to get out of our comfort and to give sacrificially. I, I remember one day uh, that God told us to give our car away. And it was, it was kind of cool because I felt like the Lord was maybe telling me that, but it's all always harder for me than it is for Lisa. So the Lord spoke to Lisa and Lisa came to me and said, I think we're supposed to just give this car to so-and-so. And I was like, oh, I knew it. I knew because God had been talking to me. I'm like, All right, okay, let's do it. And it didn't make sense. It was, it was getting out of the boat. And then uh, 10 years ago, God spoke to us and he said, move to Albuquerque, pastor, harvest, love your city and plant more churches. That was, it, it was like, okay, here we go again. We're going to step out of the boat. Can I just tell you that I'm so glad that we've stepped out of the boat? I'm so glad that, I mean, the, can, I, can I help you with something? Life outside the boat, you can't even imagine until you get out and do it. It will, it will exceed every expectation that you could ever have. Because I just tend to believe that following Jesus is one of the best adventures of your life. Like, if I say it all the time, that if you're bored following Jesus, it's not his fault, it's your fault. 
Step out of the boat. Exercise uh, some, some faith and step out of the boat. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7 says this. Um, for we, he's talking about us, the Christ followers, we live by faith, not by sight. So sight is all the things that you can see, that you can rationalize, that you can make sense of, that you can add up. You know, all, it's, it's just, it, you can put it on paper, but as Christ followers, we are called to live this life of faith. So I don't know what God might be calling you to today, but I would love to encourage you today to get out of of the boat. And you need to know that with Jesus, is what we learned from this story, that you can walk on water, okay? You can walk on water. So the story continues. Lord, if it's you, Peter said, tell me to come to you. Jesus says, come. And Peter got out of the boat and he walked on water toward Jesus. Now, so sometimes, and you might have heard this message, uh, uh, this passage preached this way. Sometimes uh, uh, preachers will preach this message in a way that we put Peter down because if we read the whole story. Peter started walking and then he lost, you know, that faith and he started to sin. Right, and so you know, pastors will will use that you know in the negative way. But but first, can we just celebrate that Peter got out of the boat? And I don't know about the last time you walked on water, but Peter walked on water, y'all. Like how can I just tell you, I've tried. Does that surprise you? I've tried. You know, like I'm just if I'm fast enough. Right? If I get a running start, I'll get like a, a second of hang time. No, no, I sink. Right? I've tried. Peter walked on water. We're going we're to give Peter some credit today. Okay? He walked on water. And, and I think this is a perfect picture of the type of life that Jesus has created for you and I. I love this verse in John chapter 10, verse 10. It starts out with, with kind of the negative that, that the thief, talking about the enemy, talking about Satan, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But then Jesus, this is what I've loved, he announces over you and I, he says, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. This, this kind of life is only available outside the boat. I'm just telling you. You're going to have to step out of the boat. But the good news is that with Jesus, you can walk on water. In other words, you can do amazing things. You can pray bold prayers and see God answer those prayers. You get to do crazy adventures like move your family to New Mexico to pastor a church. Like you get to do amazing things when you step out of the boat. But you also need to know that without Jesus, in other words, don't try this on your own, right? Without Jesus, you're going to sink. <laughs> Without Jesus, you're going to sink. So Peter's walk on water was short-lived, okay? Now, I'm giving him credit because he, he did walk on water, but it was short-lived. Verse 30, but when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, okay? So remember my dad's batting advice, keep your eye on the ball, okay? If my dad was in the boat with Peter that day, right? He might have yelled out to Peter, Peter, keep your eyes on Jesus. <laughs> keep your eyes on Jesus. I, I've always found it intriguing the, the way this verse reads because it says, when he saw the wind, he began to sink. When he saw the wind. I don't know when the last time you saw wind was. Uh, I've never seen it. <laughs> we see the effects of the wind, right? 
We see the trees blowing. And in this case, they're on the water. So they see, they see the, he, Peter saw the, the waves coming, right? Last November, my dad and I went on a father-son fishing trip. We were in Mexico, and we, we, we chartered a boat, and, and uh, we wanted to go. And, and, and we had all these you know, dreams in our heads of all the big fish we were going to catch. And so we told the captain, I mean, we're like, we are like, we are fishermen. I mean, we go where you want to go. We are tough. We just want to, we want to catch giant rooster fish. That's what we told him. And this captain, y'all, he was like grizzled. I mean, he'd been, he'd been doing this his whole life. I mean, his skin was like leather from being in the sun every day, you know, and, and he's like, I'll take you where the big fish are, but you need to know we got to go a long ways out. And dad and I, we were prepared because we had patches under our, our ears for seasickness. And we're like, come on, bring it on. Let's go find the, the big fish. And this dude was not joking, y'all. He went 30 miles, 30 miles in a boat. And the further we went, the worse the waves got. Have you ever been there? The further we went. And we got out there and, you know, at first, I mean, I was just excited because we were going to catch fish. And the waves were just kind of, you know, and then all of a sudden it was like, woo, you know, it was like a big wave, you know, and I'm like, I'm okay. And it's going a little more. And then a roller would come across sideways. And now we're like, like this, but I'm thinking we're going to be okay because we're going to catch big fish. And then my dad started throwing up, chumming, we call it over the side of the boat. And I'm like, dad, are you okay? We st we're still fishing, dad. Are you okay? You know? And at one point I went to the captain. The captain's like, do you want to go back early? I said, no, no, we're good. He said, no, is your dad okay? I'm like, he's okay. He'll be fine. Just find the fish. Just find the fish. And it wasn't too long I started helping dad chum the waters too. <laughs> That day, I, I could empathize with Peter just a little bit because I, I, I saw the effects of the wind. You know, in the, in, the, in the open ocean, there's nothing to stop the wind, right? It just blows. And so those waves are just growing. They're getting bigger. They're getting bigger. They're getting bigger. And so Peter, he gets out of the boat, and he's walking, and, and, and he begins to see these waves. And, and I think, honestly, what happened is, is, is really one of two things. Either Peter just got distracted, right? Like he just, he just lost focus for a minute, or he was overcome, he was terrified. I don't know which one. We, we, we don't know. But all of a sudden, he's walking, he's, his eye is on Jesus, he's walking on water. The disciples that are still in the boat are cheering him on, like, look at Peter, he's walking on water, oh my goodness. And he loses it, he loses his focus for a second, and he begins to sink. And in that moment, the scripture says that Peter cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately, immediately, Jesus didn't wait. Immediately, as soon as Peter called out, he reached out his hand and he caught him. Can I tell you what a beautiful picture of the gospel? That as soon as you and I cry out for salvation, immediately Jesus reaches out and says, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. I've been waiting on you. This is why in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, it says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. He wasn't waiting to see if we were going to figure it out. He said, I'm going to go ahead and make a way. I'm going to send my son. He's going to pay the ultimate price. He's going to sacrifice his life on a cross. And then when you cry out for help, the price has been paid. And I'll reach down 
and I'll rescue you. I'll rescue you. So the good news is that without Jesus, you will sink, but Jesus is there to catch you. I, I was praying about today's message, and I didn't know what I was going to preach yet, and I felt like the Lord put this story in my heart. And so I, I didn't remember um, where in the scripture this story was. Um, and, and so I just, I did what all theologians do is I Googled it. <laughs> Peter, <laughs> Peter walks on water. <laughs> and the story came up. It was, it was Matthew 14. We've been reading it today. But as I went to read it, I realized, I don't know what it says in your version today, but I realized that in my Bible, that the story was not Peter walks on water, but actually it was Jesus walks on water. And it just kind of, I don't know, it did something in me. Because in, in my whole life, I've thought of this as Peter walks on water, and he did, he did. But, but the story just, it's, it's just the title, I, I get it, it's not, you know, it's, it's, it's just a title. But Jesus walks on water, and I paused, and I thought, you know, there's actually three miracles in this story. Jesus walked on water first, and then, and then Peter walks on the water, and then finally, Jesus calmed the storm, right? You got to remember all the way back to the beginning, right? Jesus, so there are three miracles, and, and it hit me that I'd never given it much thought that Jesus walked on the water first. I mean, he's praying, his disciples are out in the boat, he decides to go meet them, and he just takes off walking on the water. And, and, and I just, I, I don't know, I didn't give it enough, enough attention. And I just, as I pondered that in the last week or two, I just, I love how many times that Jesus goes ahead of us, and he does something in order to show us what is possible. Peter, I don't think, would have ever had the idea to walk on water if he didn't see Jesus do it first. <laughs> like that, that was the inspiration, right? Is they look out and they're terrified and they realize it's Jesus. And Peter just in that moment, he's like, I wanna do, I wanna live life like Jesus. If Jesus can walk on water, then maybe I can walk on water, right? And, and I, I just got to thinking, like, what could happen at harvest if we got a little bit of this in our heart, right? And we're like, you know what? If Jesus can overcome, maybe I can overcome, right? If Jesus can, can live a life without sin, maybe he can help me to live a life without sin. Are you getting me? If Jesus could have peace in the middle of the storm, maybe I could have peace in the middle of the storm. Are you, are you following me? And I just, I love, because we're, we're spending this year, we're talking about Jesus over everything, but we've got to take time to realize who Jesus is. And I just want you to be, I don't know if you'll be awed like I was, I hope you are, that Jesus goes ahead of us so that you and I have a path to follow to know that something is possible. So that, that when he calls you out of the boat, now we're, we're stepping out in confidence, right? We're like, well, Jesus did it, and he lives in me, and the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead now lives in me. So are you following me? And all of a sudden, it changes how we live our lives. Why don't you stand with me? So what's our, what's our response to this? really good news. Well, the end of the story 
says this. It says, when they climbed into the boat, so Peter and Jesus, they, they get back in the boat. The wind died down. Miracle number three, the, the, the storm calms. And then those, watch this, who were in the boat worshiped him saying, truly, you are the son of God. So the, the response in the boat of the disciples was to worship. They watched this. They watched three miracles, right? Right after one another. And the response was to worship. And so when I realized that, I thought, oh, this is so fitting because this is how we conclude our services as we, we come to this place where we spend a, a couple of minutes and we, we sing, we worship, and, and really it's intentional. It's not just a song. It's, it's meant to allow the, the word that we've just studied to, to work itself, to, to knead itself into our hearts. And, and so as we do, as we worship, the worship team is going to help me. We're going to worship. I'm not going to lead. Thank goodness. As we worship, I want to encourage you with this. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Whatever your storm, peace is possible in the middle of the storm, in the presence of Jesus. And I believe in these final moments that we have together that some of you are going to discover as you gaze into the eyes of Jesus, the peace. Here's how the scripture describes it that surpasses understanding. That means it's a peace that doesn't make sense. It's not rational, it doesn't add up. You can't, you can't write it down. It's, it's a peace that's beyond comprehension. Will come into your life, and this is how scripture says it, and it will guard your heart and your mind. In other words, I've always thought of it this way. It, it helps you from your feelings and your thoughts from running away for, with you, right? What happens in a storm is we come up with all these, oh my goodness, what's gonna happen? And our feelings get all jumbled up and all of a sudden we're in a panic and we're stressed and we're worried and we're fearful. But when the peace of God comes, everything changes. So we're gonna worship, we're gonna keep our eyes on Jesus and I'm gonna come back up and we're gonna pray because I know that some of you have some big storms in your life. And so we're gonna, we're gonna believe together. That's one of the reasons being a part of a church is so, so important is we're gonna believe with you in the middle of your storm that Jesus would come to you on the water, that you'd hear his voice, that you'd understand, you'd recognize his voice and the peace of God would join you. Worship team, help us. Thank you for listening to the Harvest Fellowship Podcast. For more information, visit harvestabq.org.